0: Dude, what's up club 400 radio is on the air actually we shouldn't call it radio it's a podcast now yeah i know but, but so, some I, people I mean, call it radio i was listening to howard stern the other day and he said yeah all these people podcasting. you know uh they're calling it radio that, that, that's not radio so because i respect howard stern so much we're calling it podcast this is a club 400 podcast that's right. but uh big time man baseball is back the Uh-oh. cubs have played a couple games already and, uh, you know, Mesa is, is happening now, and that's what we want to focus on on this episode. Um, Cubs tickets actually went on sale on Friday, and I got to tell you something, William, and um, I was going to buy some tickets for some extra games, and I was, I was kind of shocked at the prices of the tickets. I mean, I actually bought 10 additional tickets, and it cost me basically $1,100. Wow. And at the end of the day... I don't, you know unless you're searching for a cheap ticket, you're gonna pay about a hundred dollars a ticket. It's just amazing that uh, how much Cub tickets have went up in in the last year. I mean, I, I went on at ten fifteen when they went on sale on Friday, and I was able to get through right away. And that was never the case long ago. Oh, okay. So I kind of think like the tickets they're definitely overpriced in in a way. Uh, blocking, you know, they got
1: they got to pay for Harper.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. oh wait! Oh, no. <laughs> who it at this point is still sitting at home waiting for a deal? I I am guessing he's going to land with the Phillies, and who knows? Maybe he already did by the time we recorded this. But um, so that gets into our next thing, um, our contest that we're having for two opening day tickets. Yeah, we're going to help these people
1: instead of having them pay hundred dollars per ticket. We're exactly. giving away tickets.
0: We are giving away two tickets to opening day, and part of the caveat is. If you want to meet us over at Output, which is located right by the Cabaret Metro, uh, I'll buy you a couple beers, too. So not only oh. you get two tickets, you get two beers. Two tickets. If you're and two 21, beers. of course. We always right. have to throw it if you're 21. Right. Out, so.
1: And people are responsible for their own air travel if there's coming from another state, right?
0: Uh, Exactly. Okay. All we <laughs> got is your tickets, and that's it. I so <laughs> just want to clarify that. We right. are going to have basically three rounds. And if you, if you actually uh, guess right, or, well, the first one, let's tell them about the first contest, William, that we're going to do here.
1: We are going, we have a hotline now, which we'll share with you. That the moment.
0: only person who's called the hotline is me, and it was like it, 1230. It was a testing AM. message,
1: and yeah. probably one we can't play on the show. But we are going to test out the hotline, give you guys a chance to win these tickets. You have to call in and rant on the price of tickets.
0: The best rant chosen by me and William will automatically qualify to win the opening day tickets. Do, do you have any favorites at this point As of far- people who might call in?
1: Who you would know be what? a good rant.
0: I think Patty would be pretty good.
1: She'd be good at it.
0: Yeah, I think Patty. You know, uh, Dave Stone. He could. He could be really good. He's. I had to say Dave Stone because he's been listening to our podcast. He said you haven't mentioned me once on your podcast. So there you did, Dave Stone. Well right? played.
1: You know who who would be uh, funny would be Bob Ibeck. He won't call, but yeah. he, he likes to bitch about the price of tickets.
0: Uh, Danny Rocket. He's a rantor, oh, he so might. I mean, we kind of Danny. We're not stealing your rantor theme here, okay? But we we just want to hear your thoughts and be as creative as possible because it's this not content. It's creativity for your best rant of being pissed off that cub tickets are so expensive and and you must
1: uh keep in mind the rules you might find yourself on the podcast if your rant is good enough
0: exactly we're gonna play probably a couple of them but the, we'll definitely play the winners on next week's episode william what's the phone number do you know it <laughs> I don't even know if he knows it. See, I knew I was going to get him here. He's <laughs> just looking it He's up. He's looking it up right now. Man, this um, is not
1: good radio, and we don't have the phone On
0: the number. show today, we also have JP, Jason Peters. He's a man in the tent this year, and uh, we're going to talk to him. When you go uh, to spring training, if you are going, make sure you stop by the Club 400 tent because we still are giving away 400 beers at the Club 400 tent this year. Are you going, Stu? We are leaving Wednesday night, and William is leaving Wednesday night and coming back Thursday morning, I believe. <laughs> it's actually, I'll be there before you if we
1: want to get technical.
0: Oh, yeah. William's going to be at the hotel bar, bar, I mean, at the airport bar, waiting for us to arrive. So,
1: All right, I have that number now. <laughs> All right, 20 what's 20 the number? 847 857 7323.
0: That's one more time
1: eight four seven eight five seven seven three two three
0: now on the show today we have a very special guest someone who I've been a fan of for a very long time um, actually I followed this guy for the last honestly 12 to 14 years uh, he had a, he has a website called the boys of spring and Which this guy, we will talk a lot about yeah That's and awesome. the cool thing about mr. Sheridan is that is that he he was around before Facebook was around, before Twitter was around, before YouTube was around, and he was one of the guys that, you know, be, before we – has fans now, we get a lot of information, you know. We actually get probably too much information. But back then, information was hard to come by, especially information from spring training down in Mesa, and he filled that void big time. Like, I was a big fan of this website, and, you know, fifteen years later, 15 years later, he's still – doing it today i want to give a warm welcome to our guy tim sheridan on saturday tim sheridan did uh went to the ballpark for his 36th time to be the cubs spring training pa announcer what did that feel like tim what does it feel like every single year the first day and the first game of spring
2: well the first game every spring is always something special because, uh, generally the weather is incredible here in Arizona that this time of year. And, and actually it rained, you know, the last couple of days before the opener. So we're a little worried, but then of course, like everything, the sun comes out a little cooler than normal, but you know, there's all that anticipation of a new year. It's very exciting for me, um, just to be back every year. I never thought, um, 36 years ago that I would be back doing it every year for 36 years, so I just feel lucky to you know, be part of it. And becoming a Cubs fan, it's like i got to pinch myself and I'm kind of not dreaming every year when I come back to do the PA. But it's an awesome experience, and uh, I'll keep coming back as long as they'll have me.
0: And, and you walk into that ballpark with your World Series 2016 <laughs> championship ring. Not a lot of people could say that.
2: Well, I don't actually wear the ring to the ballpark, but uh, I I certainly could. Um, But I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm a little careful when and where I bring it out.
0: So, as you know, on Club 400 Radio, we talk about fans. And I think, you know, most of the stories that we have have had a singular uh, tone, which is, you know, I fell in love with the Cubs because of WGN. So forth and so on. But I th- your story is a little interesting, uh, more interesting probably than the average person. Let's talk about you, Tim, and how you became a Chicago Cubs fan.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. I—it It is a little different, my story, and that is I became a Cubs fan because the very first spring I got involved uh, with the public address over at the old Holocom Park, I came from a class at Mesa Community College. They asked who wanted to help out. Boom, I raised my hand. So essentially having quick reflexes was a good thing. And uh, I got to sit next to Harry Carey for about a half a dozen games uh, doing a PA right next to Harry Carey. So that was incredible. And then, of course, once that spring season was over, WGN was the cable across the country. So I... Started watching every Cubs game and as, as you may know, 84 was kind of a big year because they won the division, which they hadn't, uh, done anything since the 45 World Series. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a great way to break in to become a Cubs fan and, and, uh, I've just gotten to be a, a bigger Cubs fan ever since. So. Once you get it in your blood, it's you know that's it. You're
0: oh over. yeah, well that we've heard that multiple times. So I think it's amazing you get a job for PA announcer for the Cubs. The next minute, you're sitting next to Harry Carey. He's probably drinking Budweiser, probably cracking you up, and then <laughs> you get lucky to work for the 1984 season, which turned a lot of people in the Cub fans. And here you are, 36 years later. It's an amazing story. It's like stories like these is why we're doing this show. By the way, we got William here today. Uh William, what's up?
1: Not too much. D- Tim, nice to meet you. Yeah, we
0: got Dave Dew hey, in the house. William. Dave Dew's in the house. He's my buddy He's joining us. Hey, how's it going? Nice. And hey, we Dave. Got, we got John the sound guy over here too. So I want to introduce everybody to you. Hey,
1: how are we
2: doing? Beautiful. Tim?
1: We actually I'm I, doing great. I was a public address announcer when I went to school out at Western. I did uh the oh, nice. basketball and baseball. And baseball they actually had me play the organ while I was doing it too. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're that talented, that's
3: awesome.
1: <laughs> I had the uh, mute button on the floor so I can use my hands to play and stuff. That was really fun. Oh, that's
0: sweet. Yeah. I'll tell you a cool story about Tim. So I was saying earlier, Tim, before we brought you on, that I was always a fan of you and what you did with the Boys of Spring. We'll talk about that later. But Fantasy Camp, we're there and we're dying. And like Wednesday, I think it was either I think it was Wednesday. Guess who comes walking in the dugout? Tim Sheridan. I was so happy to see him because <laughs> we had an extra guy. And I didn't know who he was at first, but it didn't take me long to put everything together. And I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. A guy I've looked up for a long time. So, Tim, let's talk about oh, you start uh, obviously being the uh, the PA guy at Sloan Park. Oh, well, actually, back then it was HoHo Camp Park, correct? And now Sloan Park.
2: Yeah. Yep. And um, so you you were actually, just – Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Nope. I was just going to say this is the third uh, ballpark I've been at because it was the original um, – what they called old ho ho Park, which ended up um, being torn down after the spring of 96. And then they built uh, a new ballpark, also called ho that was ready for the next season in 97. And the Cubs were there t- through 2013, and then they got Sloan built and moved over to that, and the A's took over ho They did some refurbishing and painted it a real ugly color of green. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was there this uh, year. Yeah,
2: so, yeah. But it's a great place to, you know, watch a game because uh, at Holcomb, if you're going to watch an A's game because there's nobody there, you can basically pick your seat. Not the same at Sloan Park where, you know, we can get in almost 16,000 fans. So,
0: Exactly. Uh, so you're obviously doing the PA and you start falling in love with the Cubs like we all have. And then you—you actually—you—you actually—I see that you're very talented in many different things. But you wanted to take a, a step further. Tell us about what what you started. Well, I think it was what in 2000 was
2: it? Uh, the, the website. Uh, oh yeah. Well, the website actually was 2004. I I got the domain. We started it in 2005. So actually, this is the 15th year of the Boys of Spring, which um, I. I love the, the book, The Boys of Summer when I was a kid. and I thought, well, spring is my thing. So boom, kind of snatched that name. The domain was out there. And uh, you yeah, I was just it, it was a way to give my love of the Cubs and my love of photography and video and, and kind of being around the team and let people know all those hardcore fans who wanted to know what was going on with the team ahead of uh, the regular season to put it out there online. And it's interesting because it's only 15 years ago, so it's a while, but it's not that long. But back 15 years ago, there really, I mean, spring training still wasn't being covered as intensely um, as it is now. It was kind of a very low-key thing, and I had many opportunities where I'm out there, and there's no Chicago writers, no Chicago photographers. Nobody really around, except for me and a few other people, this is kind of before they played the games over at Fitch Park, before they started, uh, you know, the games were at Hocom, which is one of the reasons the Cubs really are happy with Sloan Park and wanted to have a new facility, because they had, uh, you know, separation of Fitch Park, where they practiced, and then (laughs) Hocom, where they had the games. Now they got everything together in, like, the best facility in all of baseball, Sloan Park, with the... Under Armour Performance Center and all that. And, and the quad fields, you know, where we played the Hundley camp and all that. So um, it was pretty amazing. But the change, like I was mentioning, is, is, is it's, now it is so saturated. You'd think spring training is kind of like just the start of the regular season. But it really wasn't that way. And that's why when I started doing um, photography of uh, everything I could see, like all the young players coming up. I remember going out with my little 35 millimeter camera that was a film camera, wasn't digital back then, and getting shots of like Griffey Jr. before he'd ever had his first major league at bat, you know, at HOCOM and stuff like that. Cause I was always into the prospects before they, you know, came up. And so we'd shoot all the, the prospects video and photos. And for the Cubs, it was always like, who's going to be that next third baseman to take over for Santo? Then, you know, you had the, guys like Gary Scott and, you know, a bunch of these names that never really worked out and a bunch of other prospects who the Cubs always touted, like Felix P.A. and blah, blah, blah. So I've got a lot of footage of guys who never really did much, but um, that's all part of it, man. I just love being around it and kind of documenting it. So that's kind of what that new show that I have um, on my website, Cub Talks with Tim Sheridan is all about. It's putting this kind of documentary historical stuff out on a weekly basis. So yeah, so I'm just rambling. So can you tell
1: can you tell us uh on the video, especially for our younger listeners here, what were yeah. you using to video stuff back when you started doing video and kind of what was the inspiration behind doing video as a P8
2: guy? Yeah. Well, I was um you know, I was into the, kind of the broadcasting in college aspect of it and then like say I taking I love photography and was doing 35 millimeter photos and I was able to latch on to my first kind of uh, somewhat inexpensive consumer video camera which was a Sony Hi8 camera back in the day and um, those actually had tapes that recorded two hours of footage which for me was amazing because I could just bring that thing and roll with it so I would bring it into the press box and it looked and was for all intents and purposes a home video camera, but I, you know, said to Harry, "Hey, Harry, you mind if I, you know, shoot some video?" It's like, ah, you know, go ahead. He didn't give a crap. <laughs> so I started, you know, shooting in the press box, and every year I bring my camera and shoot everywhere, all over, you know, Stitch Park and Hocom and the games. And then after about five to ten years, I realized, man, I've got like a lot of really cool inside historical perspective stuff that nobody's ever seen. And um, I would say from like 1990 to 2000, my and, and I went to the next upgrade to video cameras eventually, but um, so from 1990 to 2000, a video camera was just an extension of my body and my family hated it because I videotaped everything.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: But the, the cool part is, they all love it now because, you know, I have my niece and nephew's first day and, you know, yeah. on and on. And some of the cool stuff, like I got Ron Santo sitting there watching batting practice with his grandson mm. next to him. Those kinds of things that, you know, it's gold and people don't think about shooting. I mean, they do now because there's so many, much media. that Everyone covers everything. But back then, I'm like one of the only people that has a lot of this really amazing stuff. So that's what's going to come out every week.
0: Oh, and that's oh my exactly my the show. truth, T- Tim. That was why I was a huge fan of you, because I know it sounds crazy. We're talking about 15 years ago, but it, the whole landscape was. I know there's p- kids listening to us or like younger people, and they're like, "What the hell are these guys talking about?" But back then, <laughs> no, I, no Twitter. I mean, there, yeah, no there's no smash, Twitter, no Facebook, man. no social media, no nothing. So, the, like, Tim was a source of information of what was going on down in mason there wasn't really any of that out there tim that's why i was a fan of you for so long you when, you, when you're you know when march started that's when i started hitting the boys of spring web page and you, you did a wonderful job of course you, you well, blogged you. you blogged a lot on there too you told yep. a lot of awesome stories what was the uh first i, I you know because we're talking about websites and you had a lot of like you know growing pains like everybody did like loading videos onto a, a
2: website
0: and space Issues, I mean, you were oh, doing it right. when it was well, super early, you know?
2: It was before YouTube, so, you know, where there there wasn't really the platforms that there are now, so uh, we put it um, in the first website that they had built, which was an interesting process back then, 15 years ago. We were hosting our my videos on, you know, our server there, and it, would, it just... Videos take up a lot of space no matter what you do. I mean, it's like they're just... They're, uh, eaters of space and, um, bites. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting, but, you know, we got it up and we got some videos to the people. Once YouTube came out, then it became a little bit easier to, uh, to put the stuff out there because they had the platform. And, uh, I think if you look on my, my website, I mentioned the first video that I put up on YouTube was, uh, Ryan Dempster doing his Harry Carey impression and, I think he did it in 2005, and I think I loaded it in 2007, um, which was not too long after YouTube was just getting going. So I think it's the first Ryan Dempster impression that was loaded on YouTube. In fact, I'm positive because I can't see anything that's earlier.
0: So I, I always like to ask this question since you work next to Harry. Like, Can you tell us a, a, a really good Harry Carey story? Do you have any good ones?
2: Well, um it depends what you consider good. Um, <laughs> Harry was, Harry's a riot, man. I always loved uh, being next to him. And, and here's the part about having more primitive facilities. Back at Old Holcomb Park, uh, the press box was just like one long booth. So I sat right directly behind home plate. Harry, WGN TV was on one side, WGN radio was on the other side. And I'm plunked, plunked down right in the middle, like kind of. Is this real? Yeah, <laughs> so, right. And I didn't even really know what I was doing in terms of PA announcing at that point. I just got you know dropped in there, so I had to learn that on the fly. But um, so Harry was just—I mean, just to sit back and like listen between innings because that's when all the good stuff was going on. <laughs> but at the old home, people could hand him beers because it was a wide-open press box. There was no glass or anything, and the season ticket holders were could stand up. And literally their heads were less than a foot from the opening of the press box. So they could hand him beers like all game. He would get, you know, beers handed to him and he, you know, put them down there. I, you know, I don't, couldn't tell you like the amount of beers he drank during the game, but you know, then he had the stroke and he kind of like didn't drink as much then. Um, he didn't stop. I don't think. I mean, there's rumors that he stopped, but I think he just cut down a whole bunch. Um, so, yeah, so like Harry's stories, oh, this is what I was getting to, was the primitiveness of it is at Wrigley Field, he was directly hooked up to his his microphone to sing the seventh inning stretch. At Old Holcomb, they didn't have that, so Harry would have to stand up and walk, you know, the two feet over to me, and I would introduce him and give him my public address mic to sing Take Me Out to the Ballgame, which was, I mean, uh, talk about a thrill, and uh, so the, public, the old public address mic that I had had a little locking lever, and Harry would say, yeah, "Tim, make sure that thing is locked when you on when you give it to me." So of course I, you know, lock it on, introduce him, hand it to him, and almost invariably the first thing he would say to all the fans, is, "Tim, is this thing on?" <laughs> so, <laughs> "Yes, Harry, just like we agreed to, you know, it's on, ready to go," uh, but. Yeah, he he's a fun guy, and he seemed to take a liking to me, which was pretty cool. Um, there was one year where uh, they actually did a, a little piece on me back. I want to say like ninety, maybe in the in the program like ninety six, and I hadn't been doing it that long. I guess about twelve years. But so they did a little, like a little feature and had a picture of me and Harry together. So apparently, and I didn't know this, Harry said that was the only picture of him in that program that year. And he said, so every time I do an autograph, it's on your face. So you know, <laughs> that, that's kind of cool. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's just, that's. I mean, you're such a lucky guy to be sitting next to Harry Carey on spring training games.
2: I was going to ask you just out of,
0: uh, you know, you started uh, PA announcing in 19, 19- Eighty four. How is it any different than it, it is now? Is there more, a lot more work for you involved, or has it changed at Actually,
2: all? Actually, there's there's less work for me now because, um, like like you were talking before that I forgot his name or maybe I didn't know his name. The guy who was doing the organ and the PA announcing there. Oh yeah,
0: John. Yeah,
2: John. Yeah. John. Yeah. So, um, back at Old Holcomb, I did all the music as well. So I had literally a little mixing board, like a teeny little thing, and a cassette player up on top of that mixing board. And I would get my tapes all set up ahead of, before the game, um, and then I would put them in between the innings, and then I would literally, when they went between innings, boom, I would play the music, put it at the proper sound uh, level, then I would read my my advertising or whatever I had to do, um, So I was the music guy. I was the DJ. And it literally was my call up to what we played. So that was really fun um, to be able to kind of do that, too. And uh, I still have some old tapes that uh, Sharon Panazzo, who was the Cubs media relations director for quite a while, she gave me a bunch of um, cassette tapes that are Wrigley Field cassette tapes that they use, like, pregame and during the game. And So I have those. I'm like, those are, like, one of a kind. You're never going to see that again. (laughs) <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, go ahead.
0: Talk about uh, what was the one of your most memorable experiences being a PA guy?
2: Well, obviously, uh, the Cubs giving me a World Series ring, and no, it's not one of those ones that the players got. It's uh, they had three different levels of rings, and of course, um, mine is the third level. Which the fact I even got anything at all is amazing um probably just because of the longevity thing but um yeah uh because i was doing it for what 33 years before they won the, the world series and there's a lot of times as we know being Cubs fans that you know before theo came in and all that we're like thinking hey you know are we ever going to see a world series with the Cubs? maybe not you know it's it's one of those things so being a fan that long and then being rewarded like that was like beyond anything I could have dreamed of.
0: And Tim, you were the very first Cubs public announce yeah. announcer to other words. What were those words, Tim?
2: Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, your World Series champion, Chicago Cubs! All right. All All right. I love it, man!
0: Uh, I mean, come Still on! Brings was, chills. The, the, think about it. Cubs win the World Series. The first time the Cubs are back, and it's Tim's voice leading the way. I think it's unbelievable, Tim. That's um, that's I I mean that's this do you have a copy of that or no?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I well I had to get, you know, that on tape because are that, you kidding me? That should be your message, <laughs>
0: like your your answering machine.
2: Oh, good idea. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. <laughs>
0: that's what we get paid the big bucks
2: for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: So, yeah, Tim, you are basically, you know, doing your website, filming video, tons of footage. Uh, you decide to come up, you know, you have your website, which you're, you're showing this stuff, and then you decide to make a movie. Tell us about that, you know, that. Uh, you know, when did you decide to make a movie, and what, what what were you planning to do with it?
2: Well, yeah, that's uh, interesting, because originally I wasn't filming to make a movie. I just liked to film stuff. Like I say, in the 90s, I was... Filming everything that moved practically, and being lucky enough to be hang out with the Cubs every spring. Hey, and I love you know sports. I love baseball in particular, and so that was a natural. And so I just started building up this archive. So it was a while after that where people said, "Holy crap, you got you know film of Ron Santo and Harry Carey in the press box and stuff. That's like really cool." I'm like it is really cool. <laughs> you know, uh, I should do something with that and. You know, at that time then, um, in about the mid nineties, I was also working at a local TV station here in Phoenix. I worked at the NBC affiliate in the sports department and I was getting involved in the end uh, production of what was going on. Um, so I was producing and editing back then and, and really liking the creative process of putting things together, even though I thought, you know, when I started out doing the public address that maybe I was going to be the on air guy on ESPN or whatever, but, um, I really enjoyed the creativity and how to, you know, produce and edit and put something out there. So that's, you know, I got kind of kept working on my craft that way. And that's when I really started digging into thinking about uh, Cubs documentary. And originally I wrote a, like a little script and outline, which was going to be a documentary on the Cubs' spring training history. Um, because they were out in Catalina Island for, close to 30 years. It's a pretty interesting story that a lot of people probably didn't know so much about. But in the end, um, when I started acquiring so much footage, then I started interviewing um, p- players and former players for this and you know, management and different people. I'm like, I've got so much more that this isn't an interview. Or this wouldn't be a documentary just on spring training because that's really limited. And plus there's, you know, a certain amount of people who like, just get past spring training so we can get to the right real thing, you know, that don't even care about spring training. And I understand that, although it happens to be my niche in my world, so I appreciate it, you know, incredibly so. But um, it then kind of turned into kind of my life a little bit over the course of all these years. And so when I was thinking, oh, who would I get to narrate it? Like, I didn't necessarily have the money back when. So I said, well, I know a guy who could do it for free, you know, that does some announcing me. So, you know, it ended up where I just kind of said, I got to put this together and this will get into, um, right before the 96 season was really the season where I had like everything lined up. I mean, I'm sorry, the 2016 season, I had everything lined up to kind of tie this thing up no matter what happened. You know, I knew that the team was good. They were good the year before and that there was great potential, but I was going to f- kind of finish up the documentary and at the end of the 2016 season well of course then they go and win the world series so it's the perfect uh time to do that and i really had a lot of uh a lot of the documentary already edited and ready to go and that was the perfect ending but um you know this but maybe a lot of people don't know it but after the seventh game i was at um i was at a bar watching with some friends um here in gilbert arizona and um my family members cause it was late because of the, the rain delay and all that. And they had to work the next day. So they're like, we're going to take off. And I'm like, Oh, you can't take off. The Cubs just won the world series. You're kidding me. Uh, so I, you know, there was other Cubs fans all over the place. So kind of, you know, hung out with some other people. And anyhow, at the end of the night when I'm leaving the bar and there's not many people around, um, I go to my car around the side of the bar where it was really dark and nobody else around. And I got mugged and, beat up, and uh, it wasn't a good situation. I had uh, a lot of significant injuries um, that I don't necessarily need to go through, but it was like about a half a year recovery um, from all of that, and so I didn't get to have my storybook finished on the documentary, and it kind of messed everything up on what I wanted to do, but, you know, I overcame it. I'm alive. I'm happy to be here. I'm back announcing Cubs games. And then uh, uh, someone mentioned to me, and I was watching these uh, TED Talks, which is kind of you know on a whole range of subjects, and I thought, you know, doing a 90-minute documentary is kind of cool, and it was you know, uh, uh, kind of a dream for a while, but I've got so much stuff that I, I can't cram it all into 90 minutes anyhow. I mean, I've got a, you know, interviews with all these players that are like a half hour long in itself. So why don't I do something every week and I can dole it out for the rest of my life on you know on my website and I think Cubs fans would appreciate that. So that's where we are and I'll, I'm I'll happy ta- to be here. Yeah, what
0: you know what Tim? I think you know it was supposed to probably be laid out like this and uh, you just I think so you, you never you know, know you know and uh, you just released your first episode of Cubs Talk last week, right? Tell us, yep. tell the listeners yep. how they could uh, listen in on. Uh, Were you releasing it weekly or how's that working?
2: Yep, weekly every Wednesday. There's going to be a new segment. So it'll essentially be um, I'll pop in and kind of talk about just briefly about what's going on with the team right now. Uh, We may, this kind of might evolve too. We may have interviews with, because Fergie wants to do an interview. He's got his book out on the 69 Cubs. So um, we might do some of that too. But um, I'll just kind of talk briefly on what's going on with the team, give a few, you know, my opinions. Not that anybody cares, but, you know, what the heck but that'll be short and sweet. And then I'll kick it to a documentary segment, you know, going back in the archives and, and each show will probably be nice and short, like between uh, probably two minutes and seven minutes max. Um, More like I want to hit like the two to three minute thing and give someone, everybody something really cool each week that they haven't seen. And that's the thing. I got this huge archives that nobody's seen. I need to get it out there and I want Cubs fans to enjoy it. So, that's it. You know, one cup fan
0: to another. Yeah, exactly. We're with Tim Sheridan. Check him out on his website, boysofspring.com. That's boysofspring.com. And what I did today is I signed up for that uh, Cup Talk series, right? So I'll get a notification every time uh, yep. uh, one's released. Yeah. It'll so we'll
1: Just put your email in you there. It. Exactly. So, uh, Tim, we do, we do have a message here from one of our listeners. They wanted to know, what do you do during the regular season?
2: Well, that's that is a good question. Um, I actually, because of the fact that I was involved and worked for a couple of different TV stations, I started a uh, a video and film production company uh, that I still have to this day, and we we have several um, clients that we've had for long term clients over the years, and and the industry has changed in the production business as well as like every with the you know technology changing so we're doing a lot more online stuff with them and, and that type of thing but um so i do that and then you know do a lot of watching of the cubs and uh thinking how i'm gonna now i've got my little weekly show to put out there and give some awesome stuff every week so um yeah you know i Try and try and make some money so I can keep coming back to spring training every year <laughs> Exactly, and,
0: and living the dream because you definitely are living the dream. I, I just like I said, I watched your first episode and I was you're showing uh, some of your uh, uh, collection and one piece I saw. Well, I want to ask you a question, but then I wanted to the question is, what's your favorite piece of memorabilia that you, you've collected that has a really cool story behind it? But in the video, I saw you have, like, a microphone with Ryan Samberg autograph on there. Like, no one has that. You know, that was killer.
2: Well, that's the microphone that I handed off to Harry Carey to sing the seventh inning stretch. So when they tore down the old Holcomb Park after 96, they said they asked me if there's anything I wanted. Is that for sale?
0: Is that for sale?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, um, no, so that, I, that's that's
0: unbelievable. That that's that. Yeah,
2: so I figured I probably handed it to Harry about a hundred times over the years to sing this inning stretch. That's cool. And stupid me, I didn't get Harry to autograph it because I didn't I didn't think about it. But I really only had like one year in between when I got the mic, you know, for me personally, to when he passed away. So um, I didn't. But then at a at a Randy Hunley fantasy camp. Ryan Sandberg was there and he was one of the guys that I loved announcing his name. He was, you know, one of my all time favorite players. So I asked him if he would autograph it for me. And, and Rhino's like, he's like, this is a microphone. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And he's like, I've never autographed one of these before. I said, it's actually, and I told him who I was. He's like, Oh, let me hear you. And I didn't, Oh yeah, I remember your voice. And, it, this is really cool he says what do you want me to put on it it's like oh i don't know just you know your name and whatnot he goes how about 1984 since that was your first year I said, yeah 84. so he put that on there and yeah so that's definitely uh for sure my prize.
0: wait see how i picked know. that out of that video i was like man what the <laughs> heck is you that? did yeah i got hawkeyes like that tim
2: <laughs> 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 but uh, well, i can't wait to get up there and visit club 400 man i haven't been so this is
0: yeah, we will get you out here for sure. And whenever you come up here and if you need tickets, let me know. I wanted to ask you a couple Sweet. funny questions. Like yeah. okay. You, you kind of touched on it earlier. The you know, the hardest name you ever had to pronounce.
2: <laughs> that's uh phew, that's a good one. Um there are uh there's a there's a bunch of doozies out there. Um <laughs> uh well, let's see. I mean, I don't like
0: Harry used to screw them all up, as we know. you know. Yeah. But, well, uh, we
2: didn't talk about this ahead of time. So I got to wrap. Yeah, no, a little bit. Uh, and then I was going
0: to I was uh, going to also ask. So I'll let you put that in the back of your mind. But um, OK, as far as um, have you ever sung, take me out to the ball game there or no? Something stretch. Have you ever done that? at the? I have
2: never done that. I've never sung that. And you know what, uh, Stu, here's my goal. Um, this is something that I've kind of thought about the last few years and it's really a dream but um i would like to do that at wrigley field at some point but not just that i would also like to announce like even a half inning you know when the cubs are up to bat to say that i've done the pa at wrigley field even just for a half inning that would be like a dream of a lifetime
1: you think andy will let you do that
2: um well i i think i have to go over andy's head (laughs) you know yeah, I think no, they have to talk to you know Laura or Tom or something and say
0: hey no. All right, I got a good question. A little, for a
2: little something for all the years, right? I, I agree. It's
0: time for Tim Sheridan to move up to the major leagues. Okay, let's, let's go. make this happen. All right, for crying out I'm loud, I'm just saying a half
2: inning. I'm not. I, I, don't want, I don't want. to do a game. I don't hey, want to do anything. I'm going to call Tom oh, Ricketts right after this.
1: John.
0: So Tom Ricketts on line one. Yeah, you exactly. Know? <laughs> <Hook him up.
1: laughs> so
0: okay, uh, early March game. How in the heck are you keeping up with all the changes and like you've had to miss batters like you know some of these guys don't even wear numbers and like uh, h- h- you know how or, do you control that for these games as far there's as there's been a
2: time when there's been three players with the exact same number on a team at one time that was an all-time favorite of mine <laughs> uh, a lot of times there's two guys with the same number and you know they don't have names on their backs oftentimes uh, I'll tell you what doing the public address at spring training games would make doing it for a major league game a piece of cake easy yeah I because bet. they do not change nine guys all at once right and you're <laughs> scrambling and uh, trust me it's like it would be the best training to be a, a major league you know at a major league stadium by doing it for spring training you have but, to be uh, you have
0: to be on the ball like the whole time all right how how stressful is that
2: yeah there's I pride myself on that. I pride myself on you know doing, uh, getting everybody's name pronounced right. And you know I'm not perfect, but uh, I even go to um, YouTube and I'll listen to like minor league guys. I'll find out ahead of a game, you know who might get in that game, all the non-roster invitees, et cetera, et cetera, because they'll you know, they'll play guys you don't even know um, in the games at the end and like the last four or five innings. But so I will go to the minor league. Where they played in the minor leagues and find their home announcer and listen to him on YouTube because those home announcers for their team always know how their names are pronounced. And, you know, there's other ways to do it, but I'm like really stickler on that. So, and that's amazing. Um, that's
0: pretty in depth. That tells you, you know, you you really care about what you're doing. I mean, you're
2: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I do. I've you're always just, you're not, like just like I said, show,
0: you're not just showing up to the stadium a half hour before the game. I mean, you're doing your homework and tell, tell us like an average day. When you know that when a game day, what, what, what's like, how's your day go, Tim, from the minute you wake up?
2: Uh, well, I, I usually get up um, and hit the internet and make sure that I, I print out all the rosters, even though I don't necessarily need them, because they'll be given to me, uh, you know, through the media at, during the game or before the game, they'll have it all there. But there has been times when those rosters weren't available, like when the other team shows up late to a game. All kinds of crazy stuff happens in spring training. So it's you know, it's one of those things where you have to be prepared for anything because what can go wrong will definitely go wrong. So to try and make it feel to the fans like everything is just going along as smooth as silk, that's something I take pride in. That they don't know the chaos that can be happening up in the booth when they go, Oh, no, that that guy is not throwing out the first pitch, this guy is or you know, that guy's you know, not actually in the game in batting second, he's batting ninth, or you know all these things. So in fact, one little story um, before I tell my routine of the of the daily routine of a game day is Chuck Wasserstrom was a uh, uh, in the media relations uh, department for the Cubs with Sharon Penrose for a long time, and back at Old Holcomb Park. He used to say who the changes were, and we didn't have the Internet back then, so I couldn't, you know, I didn't know all these young players coming up out of nowhere, and it was an opponent's team, and a guy comes in, so he he says over the, the in-house PA in the booth, he says, uh, the guy that's coming up to the plate, your guess is as good as mine. So what do you do when he says something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just don't announce him because I don't want to.
1: Now, it, I, I know in the major the leagues you get the game notes. Do you get game notes for the minor leagues? Yeah,
2: yeah, we get game notes yeah. and all that stuff, which is good. And I, I'll read over all that. So, But on um, the game days, I'll get to the Internet. I'll go over the opponent's pronunciations of all their guys that I think may get into a game, including non-roster invitees. Make sure I'm familiar with every – because surprisingly, even in this day and age, um, half the team's – don't give you a pronunciation guide, which I think is really strange. It's like you're a media relations department for a mega million dollar uh, team. Give me the pronunciations of your freaking players. <laughs> that should be right. a Sorry.
1: no-brainer. It really
0: should.
2: It's kind of like it's a little odd, but you know. Anyhow, uh, so I'll go over that, and I get to the ballpark like two hours early, and I go over the game script and make sure there's nothing new. Or I mean, there's always something new, but it's like, who's going to be throwing out the first pitch? Because it's not. I don't know how it is quite at Wrigley all the time. I've been to a bunch of games there, but um, we sometimes have like five people throw out a first pitch <laughs> before a game. And it's it can get chaotic, and so sometimes they scratch somebody, throw somebody new in. and So I go over the whole script ahead of time, and then I get my... Um, I have my scorecard, because I, st- I still keep um, score of the game by hand, which I did because at, at Hocom the scoreboard used to go go out frequently like they'd lose power and there'd be nothing there so I would have to kind of keep people abreast on you know, what inning we're in, what the score is, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's just something I kind of did always and still do and I love it so I've got all my old score sheets that I've handwritten out so the 2016 spring, those are special score, score cards so you know um, yeah it's just there's, there's, you know, there's more to it um, than meets the eye, especially if you want to try and do the best job that you can, which I do.
0: Oh yeah, you. I, that's the thing about you, Tim, and I've known that you're, you're a master at your craft. You care about what you do. One of these days, I'd like to go up there and see you in action, you know. And yeah, let's ah. get let's get Tim Sheridan to Wrigley Field, be the PA announcer, not just for one inning. Let's do it a whole game. All right.
2: Oh. Geez now you're now you're biting off a, a lot <laughs> the, the website I like the way you think but yeah <laughs>
1: the website is boys dot com. the man is
0: tim sheridan and check out a series subscribes to a series cubs talks which you'll get something in your mailbox every week tim thanks for coming on tonight man uh i it's love you buddy you're, you're one of the best buddy and uh if you're, well, not, you. if you're not following Tim's website, Cub Fans, and you got a problem, especially in the month of March. In fact, Tim is Mr. March. I'm going to give you that award tonight. And we will see you soon down in Mesa. Thanks a lot, Tim. You Appreciate guys are it. going to
2: join me for you guys are going to join me for Sheridan Spring Break, as I like to call it.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes, we are. See,
2: I never left college. I just keep coming out.
0: <laughs> well, thanks a lot, thanks, buddy, Tim. for coming on in your time.
2: I will. And I want to get one of those free four hundred beers too.
0: Oh, we'll give you more than one. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, we'll, <laughs> well give you so. we'll give you one for every inning. All right.
2: <laughs> oh boy. Harry <laughs> 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 Carey Jr.
0: Exactly. Thanks. Tim Sheridan. All right,
2: guys. Thanks. It's been awesome.
4: Thanks,
0: Tim. Appreciate it, buddy.
2: Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Take care. We'll talk to you.
4: Now this could only happen to a guy oh. like me, and only happen in a town like this so may i say to each of you most gratefully as i throw each one of you a kiss Chicago is my kind of people too, people who smile at you. And each time I roam, Chicago is calling me home, Chicago is. Why I just grin like a clown It's my kind of town